Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as a community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Thanks for taking time to do that with me. I, I took kind of a deep dive into gratitude this week, um, especially after my therapist gave me something to do. I'm kind of an uh, overthinker, over over everything kind of person. So I'm like, I'm going to read all about gratitude now. I'm going to do all the studies, and <laughs> which was fun. Like I had some extra time to read about that. But um, some of the stuff that I'm going to talk to you about today, um, it was fascinating to see how something as simple as the practice you just did, that we did together, can really alter our day and change what we're doing um, and how it can bring life and energy, not just to our emotional health, but to our physical bodies too, which I think is so important. Um, But I want to start with uh, a story that I had heard about a writer who had traveled to Appalachia to interview and observe somebody who lived in deep poverty. Um, And it was a part of his research for something he was writing and during his travels, he was befriended by a woman who told him lots of stories about her life and her circumstance, and he met with her several times over the time that he was there. And he observed and made some judgments about her while he was talking with her that, that she seemed to be poor, not to have a lot, and, but that her stories were generous and grateful and kind, and he had, um, he had learned a lot from her. So at the very end of their time together, they were sitting on the porch talking, and he asked her, he's like, if you were to be given, like, a large gift of money, do you think it would, what would you do with it? Would it change your life? And without any kind of hesitation, she just said, well, I would give it to s- the poor, of course, because I already have everything that I need. And the writer left with these stories of, like, generosity and kindness and had a larger thing to ponder in his own mind, that whole piece of... What was it that made her feel content? Because in his mind, he made some judgments about her circumstances and believed that maybe she needed something more than what she had. Um, And there's something about that that I think can resonate for each one of us, that um, when we take time to reflect on what we have, like just in the practice you did, there's something about instead of judging ourselves according to everybody else, we get to look at our own life and our own circumstance and be grateful for the things that we have. And in that way, I think that generosity or gra- gratitude is an essential part of how we live. I think without it, we don't really feel fully alive. And that was one of the things I noticed when I was experiencing just that melancholy. And it will probably happen to me again, right? Feelings come and go. We have Life isn't just like ascending to this high plane. I think it's a path that's winding and twisting all over, and we have the full range of emotion. Um, but that's why that was so helpful for me to have something that could help me kind of pivot out of the headspace that I was in. Um, gratitude is sacred. It connects us to the ground. It connects us to ourselves. And also, gratitude isn't just about us, but there's something about when we feel content within ourselves, then we have a generosity to share with others, which is something that can create a real good and beautiful community. Um, but gratitude, it isn't rhythmic. It isn't like um, breathing or um, swallowing or blinking, things that we don't think about. We really ha- it's, it, it's an effort. It takes some effort to actually practice it. And that is one of the reasons why we're taking this month to talk about that and reflect on it, because it is something that's beneficial, but it doesn't just happen. We don't just naturally do it. We actually need a little encouragement to make it happen and make it become a rhythm. 
Um, and one of the things that can help, so I'm going to list, not list, but I'm going to share a couple of things that can help us in gratitude because every one of us have a different path that leads us to feeling grateful. For some of you, it might be facts. Maybe you're like me and you're like, I want to know all the research. Tell me all the facts behind why this is actually happening. I'll share some of that. For others, it might be stories. Tell me a story about how this changed and how it actually impacted somebody else's life. Maybe for others, it's a practice. I don't really care about all that other stuff. Let me just try and do it. If I do it and it works for me, then I'll continue. So we're going to practice all those things. But what I, where I want to um, continue on with here is um, that oftentimes we spend our lives thinking about the future. I want to take a minute just to think about uh, the ground that we live on. Since gratitude is such a sacred thing that we do, it's really important for us to remember the, the place and the space that we live on. And usually we do a land recognition. We're going to do it a little different. I'm going to share just a, it's a very brief kind of huge swash of history of the space that we currently live on. Um, so just take a minute and um, listen to it and reflect on it. If it helps you to close your eyes and just imagine um, back in time, you can do that. If you don't want to close your eyes, you don't have to, but um, just stay uh, with your breath and... I'll read a little bit about the history of this land that we're on. So this is way back. So after the last of the glaciers receded about 14,000 years ago, humans began to migrate into this space that we now call Duluth Superior. The first hunters migrated through spruce woodlands after caribou, mastodon, and bison. Around 9,000 years ago, this area went through dramatic climate shift and the shoreline of Lake Superior receded to the present-day area of Silver Bay. Humans, animals, and plant life adjusted to this change and made its home in the current lake bed of Lake Superior. Then the environment shifted again. It caused a change in the biome, and many large mammals became extinct. And over the next few thousand years, it grew cool and wet, and the water rose and moved humans up and out and onto higher landscapes. Bear and deer and moose became the largest mammals. Prairie and grassland developed. And then in the 1600s, this land was home to the Dakota people and also to French explorers. And these two groups worked together for a while, developing trade routes. The French learned new language to communicate with their Dakota neighbors. And there are seasons of life that were nourished by rhythms of life that followed these seasons. Spring, winter, summer and fall, all brought about times of hunting, gathering, and preparation, all of which nurtured the people, the ground, and the water. It was optimal living. So taking time to even think back on our history can slow down our speed. It can remind us that all things change that maybe the situations that we're in, it can maybe even lower some of our catastrophic thinking to think that there are things that ebb and flow over time and that it's important that those things do that. Gratitude practice allows us, as we reflect, to stay in the present too. It can aid in our health. Um, I take my children to the pediatrician every year. I have three, so I've done a lot of appointments and um, over the years at Shift, I used to take um, all three of them together, and we tore apart the, we, they tore apart the pediatrician's office. Like, they'd pull out all the gloves, 
and they were taking the little light and flashing it around and they're listening to each other and and it always seemed like that time between when the nurse comes in and does that first check-in and then when the pediatrician comes in is like four hours it's just a long time especially when you have three rowdy kids I never had those kids that just sat nice and just were like they just we're not a sit nice family it's uh, we're not um that's okay a bit wild but one of the things when the pediatrician would finally come in and she she would always laugh she just thought it was just the whole I'm, I mean that was nice of her laugh like because she got to leave right <laughs> she, she had to leave the room but she would come in and sit down and she'd look at all the kids and she would say to them that one of the most important things for their health was them for, for them to practice gratitude Many of the studies that she had read said that for their optimal living, it was important for them to reflect on what they're most thankful for. And so before anything else, before she asked about how they were feeling, they all had to go around and say things they were thankful for. So there was something about that, that after like the fifth or sixth time that she did that, because I was like, let's just get to it. I know I'm, I'm anticipating the shots at the end, right? Like that's what we're eventually going to land. But where she started was, let's be thankful. Let's be grateful. And there's something about that, learning that part, that creates a good learning and optimal space for us. Um, when I started out talking, I was telling you that I was feeling melancholy, and I talked to my therapist, and she had brought up this term too, like, you want to have optimal living. And I'm like, yeah, that, ca- that makes sense to me, but could you, I'm like, could you just explain it a little bit more? Like, is optimal just happy? And she said that optimal living doesn't mean that you're existing in this perfect state of happiness um, or health. It's the process of making choices that allow you to experience the best life possible for yourself. So it's you making choices to live the best life possible for yourself. Now, for each and every one of us, we have to evaluate what it is for us to live optimally. So granted, we're all here together as a group, but we're all individuals, right? Each and every one of us have to make some choices about the way that we want to live our life. For me, I live in a family, in a house with five kind of wild, chaotic people. They're very lovely. Um, And each one of us have different ways to live optimally. We have different ways that we like to practice movement or the way that we like to eat or the way we like to rest. And so in that, in that collective, we have to decide as a family, how are we going to live also? So it's beneficial for us to know individually what it is that we need so that we can communicate that with others. Um, It's a great way to be able to explain to somebody how they can care for us and love us. Um, A couple of research studies. So there are some things that can block us um, from gratitude. Like I said, it's it's something we have to practice. It's not natural like breathing or um, swallowing. So there have been some research studies done on this. And two groups of people, there's multiple, I'm not going to share all of them or we'd, ha- we'd be here all day. Maybe another time, maybe for those of you who really want to geek out on, I know Chris likes to geek out on like theology, I like geeking out on psychology. So maybe we'll have, we'll do that another time. But, um, so there were two groups of people and they were asked two separate questions. So I'll make you guys the first group. So let's say this side was asked to answer the question, I'm glad I'm not a... And then they had to fill in the blank. So I'm glad I'm not a, you guys are that group. You, nobody has to say anything out loud. I'm just using it as an example. Okay, and then this group, you guys had to answer the question, I'm, I wish I was a. So this group is saying, I'm glad I'm not a, whatever it is, I wish I was. Um, 
So this group was asked that over several times, um, and then they did some follow-up data, and they found that one of the groups was five times more satisfied by asking themselves something. Which question do you guys think it was? Which group do you think was more satisfied? Ah, like, okay, so I see you both pointing at each other. It was actually the, I'm glad I'm not a, I'm glad I'm not a, as opposed to I wish I was. And this was, they said it was the downward comparison became a psychological upper to the group. So the fact that you could say, I'm glad I'm not a buffalo, okay? And this group says, I wish I was a buffalo. There was something about saying, well, I, I'm glad I'm not that, that actually increased something than being saying, I wish I was. Found that to be real interesting. Um, I'll share two more. There were two groups of college students who were asked to journal about five things they were grateful for. One, that group, one group was asked that, journal five things you're grateful for. Another group was asked to journal about five things that hassled them. And then the third group w just had to like check in with the group, like, hey, I'm here. So this happened over, they, they checked in with these people over the first week, and this was over 10 weeks, the first week, the middle, of the, the middle five weeks, and at the end. And after they collected, did all their uh, researchy type things and like collected all the data, they found that the group that was saying what they were grateful for, regular practice, they had measurable improvements in their exercise habits. Um, they had decreased their headaches. They had positive affect towards their upcoming week and towards their future. And this was just by writing down those five things that they were grateful for. They did the same for a group of middle school students. Um, I don't know if anybody, if you have a middle school student, well, we were all middle school students, right? So it can be a tough, it can be a tough time. Um, but they asked them the same thing. One group had to write what they were grateful for. Another group had to write about the activities they were part of and how they felt about those activities. And then another group similar had to check in. And what they measured right away was just immediate um, effectiveness, like the kids were, hap were showed more optimal like happiness after the first time of journaling. Um, and then they measured it again two months later. Um, and for me, I know maybe if detail or data, data is really fascinating to me because I like to know the research. I don't want to just be told like, go try this thing, like give me some of the facts, why should I do this? But there's something about measuring different groups of people at different ages, stages of life, that this works for them. It, it shows some improvement um, to not just making us happy, but making us feel aware. The, the study about decreasing headaches, there's something about that that's changing the course of how we improve our life. So why is this important? Um, after reading all through the studies, the things that they came up to came back with was that grateful people are more likely to seek out and use both instrumental and emotional social support because gratitude practice primes us to realize the supportiveness of a social network. It means that when we need help, we're more likely to seek it out if we've been practicing gratitude. It, it changes something in us. It, it increases us, increases desire to get help. So it might not change that we don't need help. It just means that we're more in tune with where we're at. Second, grateful people use coping strategies. Um, they learn how to deal with problems. Like they, uh, they cope actively, they plan, they have positive reinterpreting for situations, and they find potential for growth. 
So gratitude has the capacity to increase our ability to even problem solve when we run into them. It doesn't change the fact that we have problems, right? Doing a gratitude practice doesn't eliminate problems. It means that we learn how to cope with them and work with them. And then third, grateful people are less likely to behaviorally disengage, deny problems exist, or escape through substance and use. Pretty powerful. So finally, why are we doing this as a church? Um, there are, I've been a pastor for a long time. I don't know how long. But um, pastor and a human even longer. And so I've had conversations with people for a long time. And there are two common things that are reoccurring in conversations when I have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with um, congregants, people in, in the church. And even just as a human being, when I'm having conversations, things come up over and over again. And the two things that seem to really come after people are loneliness um, and the need for affirmation. Lonely, and, and it's not like somebody comes up to me and says, I'm lonely. I'm saying that over time, I've seen just a thread of like loneliness. We're lonely in our relationships. We're lonely in our homes. We're lonely in our work. We're lonely with a group of people. We have loneliness. Um, and then the need for affirmation is that we need somebody to notice what's going on with us and say that what we're doing is a good thing. Um, I think that often happens as a pastor. I've had many people come up to me and just say, can you just tell me the right thing to go and do? I'm like, and for a while when I was younger, I, lo I loved it. I didn't tell, but I loved it. I'm like, oh, this person, they need my advice, they need my wisdom, this feels so good. And as I've grown in my life, I've realized that like, I don't really have anything to offer somebody. I, it's not my job to fix any one person. It's more my job to listen. What really we need is that ability to stand an alongside another person and say, I hear you. I hear that it's lonely. Instead of creating some big events or something like that to fix the problem. Um, but those two demons seem to run after people, like loneliness and the need for affirmation. And I'm not saying that because I... Think it's bad. I think that's a general part of living the human experience. We're going to feel those things. Um, and I think there are some things we can do to be a good and beautiful community. And this um, part of practicing gratitude, I think, is a way that we can kind of lean in that direction. Because it doesn't solve loneliness. It doesn't solve um, that we need to be approved of by others. But it can help us to look inward and see what are the things that we're actually feeling and experiencing. What are the things that are actually good right now? Um, so I'm going to encourage you to um, continue that practice, um, the writing down the five things. Um, if it is a part of your practice already, please keep doing it. If it isn't something you've tried before, um, know that there are other people in this community who are all going to be trying that out at the same time. Trying it out in the morning, um, or in the middle of the day. You could do it multiple times. Do, do it whenever, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you could take it a step further, too. Um, one of the things that was suggested to me when I was telling my therapist, well, I'm out, and I'm walking, I'm exercising, I'm in the outdoors, I'm breathing the fresh air, and she just stopped, and she goes, but I, when you're out there, I just want you to just stop and look at the tree. And I'm like, okay. you know, And I'm like, <laughs> she's trying to get me to slow down. She's like, no, I want you to stop and look at the tree. Can you just, can you be, like, she goes, you're a pastor, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, can you pray while you're standing next to the tree? Like, that's the prayer. Like, I'm like, pray for the tree? You're like, 
She's like, sure. <laughs> Whatever gets you to like slow down and be present. She goes, touch the bark of the tree. Take a moment to imagine, like, what are you smelling when you're outside? Um, and this is a common, like, this practice is really good about keeping us grounded is using our senses to engage in what is happening around us. So I'd encourage you this week, if you're finding yourself getting stuck or you find yourself maybe just spinning out, out a bit, to stop and just, where are you in your body right now? Like, you can even do it, there there are things you do, like, I can stand right now and I know that I'm feeling my fingertips. Because standing in front of a group of people, you can kind of have an out-of-body experience. So I even practice this when I'm in front of people. Like, I can feel my lips touching the microphone and there's a, there's a little bit of grit in my shoe and it's driving me absolutely bananas. But it's there. Like, I'm here, I'm shake the grit out of my shoes later. Um, I'm a little warm, so I can feel that. So there's things that we can do to feel present and in our bodies. Um, I have a card. One of the other studies showed that if you wrote out a, um, a letter to another person, that also increased, like, just your optimal functioning. So um, I'm going to have these cards out. Actually, I'll have them out all month, but I've got quite a few up here. They just say, thanks for making a difference. And then when you open it up, it says, what you do matters. If you want to write out a note to somebody, you're thinking about somebody right now, um, go ahead and take one of these cards. You can take some time um, to write right here. Even before, what I would suggest is just do it before you leave the building. If you have time, sit down in your seat, like write it out real quick. Um, and then there's a, I've got some envelopes up here too. If you wanted to mail that out, you can do that as well. Um, I'll have them out next week as, um, during Gratitude Sunday also. But I'm going to, I'll pray to close and then I'll put on um, some music. But uh, what else did I want to say? Oh, next Sunday, remind you again, um, if you want to write out a note, you can do that. The, there is paper in the chairs in front of you. If you do want to write something and have somebody read it, I encourage you to do that before you leave. Um, and you're all welcome to come back. I think next Sunday is going to be, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about hearing um, your voices, about hearing the stories and the things that you're grateful for. Um, even for myself, it'll help um, move me to deepen my own gratitude practice. So I'm going to pray if you would like to do that uh, with me. You're welcome to it. Um, and then I'll put on some music. And feel free to come up to the table if you want. Take as many cards as you want. I've got plenty more. Um, and you can write those out too. Let's pray together. Oh God, we recognize you in this space. In, um, in all of our senses. And I thank you for that. I thank you for giving us the ability to, to taste and to touch to smell, and that we have multiple ways of experiencing this good good earth that we're on. Would you be with us right now and throughout the week? Help us stay connected to the ground that we're walking on, remembering and being thankful for those who have cared and nurtured for this earth long before uh, we took a breath here, and that there will be long after us. We say thank you and amen. Again, 
feel free to move around however you would like to. You can grab the pens or paper or the note cards as, as you would like. Thanks for coming to Neighborhood Church.